0: Hey guys and welcome to Get Alive Podcast. It's me, Bish, but I am back and we're going to be talking about talking Rambu today or talking about Rambu Warriors uh, with a special guest.
1: Hi, my name is Chloe, I'm author behind the website Atomikitten.com. I write news, reviews and walkthroughs of all the Atomi games, console Atomi games that are localized in the West. I also cover Just same Moki okay games as well. So thank you so much for having me.
0: It's all right. Thank you for being on, to be honest with you. Before we get into the main topic of discussion, I just want to give you guys a disclaimer, just so you guys know, if you want to give the podcast some help, give us a five-star rating on iTunes or on Spotify or wherever you listen to this podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors, Crunchyroll and Mart. You'll be hearing those ads in the episode. And if you don't want to listen to ads, if you're like, oh, bish, oh, I don't want to listen to ads, then check us out on our Patreon page, where you're going to get, for £5 a month, you get early access content for all the four podcasts that we do as well as ad free content. So anyway, that's the disclaimer out of the way. Chloe, how are you today?
1: I am doing great. It's very sunny out here. I am on Central Time and I believe you are London time, which is pretty much, what, seven o'clock?
0: Yes, something like that. Seven o'clock in the evening. But you know what? It's quite sunny outside. And fun fact, for those that are listening, today is the Queen's Platinum Jubilee today. Not that it makes a difference, but I know that there's some people that are Canadian or people from Commonwealth countries that do celebrate. So if you do celebrate, awesome for you. But I'm just happy that we get four days off. So thank you, Queen Elizabeth. That is amazing. It is, it is, honestly. But at the same time, because we do get four days off everything is closed so i can't go out and buy stuff or you know go to a shop and it's a bit annoying in that sense but But more time
1: for gaming though
0: more time for gaming you know what i did not spend the time gaming at all i had like three recordings today just back to back to back uh which is horrible but at least i get to talk about games so i'm not complaining here what games have you been playing currently if i may ask
1: um right now technically i'm prioritizing playing the games that i would want to review on my website Mm -hmm. and i'm also playing the last part of token ronbo warriors about to finish it actually
0: okay what what do you think about the game because obviously we've seen your review the reason why we asked you on this episode specifically just to give the audience some context I was playing the game and I was really enjoying it and I saw the reviews and I was like, oh my God, why why are all the reviews really negative? And I felt as though most press outlets, at least in the UK and possibly in the US, were not necessarily fully prepared for this game, right? Because I don't think any bigger outlets actually get to play games like this often. And also the fact that it is a Musou game kind of may put people off in terms of the review anyway. So I've only seen a few positive reviews, I'm going to give him a shout out, I saw yours on your website but i also saw one from nook gaming who's a big friend of the show fellow brit as well he's probably enjoying the four day weekend which you know we all are and a canadian named chris gildart who's actually fantastic i I love his reviews and his he talked about it from a muso perspective and obviously your review wasn't talking about it from a musu perspective but when you got this game what did you think like what was your first impression especially if i'm stand corrected you are someone that has played the token rambo game on
1: yes I, well actually also i watched chris's uh, youtube review of token rambo mm-hmm. Warriors, and he did pretty much nail that review that was very fair for the game you know for a musu perspective as well as for i would say just say okay because i because i would consider token rambo warriors as just okay even though it's you know it's a hack and slash game so Mm -hmm. when i heard about the game technically when koei tecmo and ruby party announced the game last year i was actually very ecstatic because i am a token ronbu fan like Mm -hmm. like i said i was playing the, the original game the mobile browser game originally Token Ranbu was released for the browser and then they had the mobile app for it and everyone was playing it. That was released back in 2016, Japan, but it was just recently localized. 2021, I would say, in the West. When I heard that they're doing like a Musu game for it, I was kind of baffled, but at the same time, I'm happy just to get more Token Ronbu games. If it's going to be on consoles, then I was very ecstatic about it. It was kind of weird to me that though, since at first I didn't think that it would work, <laughs> just say okay, and then Musu, like what? How, how is that going to work? But when I watched the video and how they kind of explained, you know, the mechanics of the game, this is what's going to happen. It actually kind of makes sense for me and I was even more excited. And again, this is from a perspective of someone who's not really into Musu, but is really into the token rumble franchise as well as you know the original game
0: i mean for me it was very different as you can imagine being a musou fan and seeing this game got announced at nintendo direct i was ecstatic i was actually very excited i don't think everyone was to be honest with you especially around that time people were wondering are we gonna see the announcement of a new dynasty warriors game are we gonna see announcement of this or this or this or whatever game that's exclusive to japan making its way over i know a lot of the musou fans were wanting to get Shin Sangoku Musou Remastered, like Dynasty Warriors Remastered Collection, which isn't a real thing, but we were, we've been asking for it. And I remember the Nintendo Direct, and I know that a lot of people in the community felt as though this was sort of uh, a kick in the shin, right? Like, this is kind of like an insult, but I, I didn't see it that way. I thought it was very interesting because I knew that Ruby Party existed. And I saw this and I was like, oh, so this is Koei's first Western release of a Ruby Party title. And to me, it made sense that they would bring it over as a musou game only because well Koei is known in the west for hack and slash games whether it's ninja Gaiden, samurai warriors dynasty warriors or anything like that so i was really open to it and to be honest with you i and i think a lot of our team have been asking for a level of fan service with the gents you know we kind of don't get enough considering other games that Koei makes you know dead or alive which is a very hyper sexualized game we kind of felt a little bit left out so we were wondering when are we going to see the beautiful for men. You know what? They didn't disappoint. I'll be real with you. They didn't disappoint. So we're happy on that end. I will mention this though. I was personally confused initially because I didn't know anything about Token Rambu and I thought, is this a crossover game like cairo Warriors, like Fire Emblem Warriors, something like that? Or is this a new IP completely from Koei? I didn't understand what it was. And to be honest with you, it's kind of my fault I didn't do the research, but I wasn't necessarily interested. I didn't think this was going to be the next best-selling Muso. I didn't have high hopes for it in that regard. And I think most people didn't, right? Whether it was, well, Token Rambu fans, because I'd imagine a lot of the people, especially in Japan even, a lot of the fans of Token Rambu, they're probably playing on their web browser or they're playing on their mobile phones and things like that. So I don't know how many of them would also own a console to play it on, or how many people that play Token Rambu would play a musou game i don't think it's necessarily like a one-for-one translation if that makes sense in that sense so it was kind of worrying in that sense because i was thinking well how are they going to adapt it for people that haven't played musou before and i think they've done a really great job because they did. Uh-huh. a lot of people are sort of shitting at least i like to say this all the time musou meatheads a lot of the musou meatheads in the community the people that are like hell yeah musou games that's all i care about and that's all they play mm-hmm. um those people in the community are sort of complaining and they're like, well, why does this game have an easy mode? It's already easy to begin with, but bear in mind, I think for the audience out there that are listening and are thinking these things, this isn't a game that's designed for you. This is a, for newcomers to the franchise people that wouldn't have played musou before and it's predominantly for the fans of token rambo it's not intended for the fans of dynasty warriors it's not intended for the fans of samurai warriors although i will say this fans of samurai warriors would appreciate this game at least for the historical aspect and for the time period that the game is set in other than that what was your sort of impressions of the game obviously being not necessarily into musou games and things like that like how did you feel that it was was it like a for you, or did you feel like what the hell is going on?
1: Oh, very much. I think it's worth mentioning as well that how big the Token Ronbo franchise is in Japan. So, the fan base there is just enormous. Like, you have no clue. There's like movies, musicals, they have all kinds of merch. There's like sake merch for Token Ronbo, beers, drinks, chocolates, everything. Like, everything that you can think of. Towels, toothbrushes, whatever there is. It's just really big in Japan and I wanted to mention this as well. In Japan, when they did the official presentation video of Token Ronbo Warriors, they included like a limited edition or a collector's edition with a Nintendo Switch physical version, a drama CD with the characters. I think there's also posters, other character CDs, design art book, stickers keychains. It was like a h- big collector's edition bundle when they announced Token War* Warriors in Japan and when they opened pre-orders, there's like a lot of websites that it automatically sold out. One website, Animate, it even crashed. <laughs> I was there too because I was kind of like waiting to order the collector's edition. Unfortunately, I, I didn't make it. It sold out within 30 minutes and even Animate was completely down for like an hour or so. It crashed because of all the traffic that was getting. I think Alice now ne- Crashed because of the traffic that they're getting with the pre-orders for token ronbu. So you can kind of like see how enormously big the fan base there is. And even after that, they were even fighting over there's like scalpers putting the limited edition online, you know, selling it for twice the price, and everyone was like mad. And there was like a huge conflict when token Ronbo Wars pre-orders opened. I'm not exactly sure if you know in the West there's like a big fan base of token Ronbu. I wouldn't say in the US there's a lot. There's a lot in in Asia though. There's a lot of Jose Moke fans that do play the Token Rambo game since the Japanese release or since the Japanese game was released or the original Token Rambo Japanese game was released. So there's a lot of that as well. I'm not sure with in the EU or UK. I think there's a lot in Germany. There, I have seen a lot of uh, Token Rambo players in Germany as well. So it's kind of I guess a little bit big there. But it's not as big compared to the Japanese fan base but mm-hmm. technically when when Koei Tecmo and Ruby Party announced uh, Token Ranbu Warriors uh, in their official presentation video they mentioned specifically that this game isn't really for like Musu fans it was made or developed with the Token Ranbu fans in mind which is the Josimoke fandom I would say. That's why they made the game, they toned down the Musu aspect of the game because they are marketing it to people who has no clue or has never picked up a musu game before. I would say I'm one of these people, I, I'm not saying that I haven't, this is my first musu game, but it's not my game that I would usually, hey, let me play a game today, okay, I'll, I'll play a musu game, you know what I'm saying? So It's not the game that I would usually, you know, play. But actually good about it was that it was Token Rambo Warriors was made for, you know, new fans who's going to pick up uh, you know a Musu game for the first time and that's why they even have the easy mode. I, I even I didn't I didn't play the game with did you play the game in easy mode? because i i played the game in normal and then switch it to hard after a couple of um chapters
0: yeah so i actually started off in easy because i wanted to see what the the whole hubbub was about so i was like you know what i'll start it off and then it's sort of like doing auto combos for you oh okay it's easy in that sense especially with the combos but to be honest with you the combos aren't difficult in a muso game to begin with but the fact that that is given an option and i think a lot of people may not necessarily think about it this way but when i saw it i didn't think of it as as, oh, this is for people that are new to Musou. I kind of saw it as an accessibility option, if that makes sense. And I think this is something that needs to be included in future Musou games. But imagine if you can't necessarily play Musou games because you have an illness or a particular disability that m- makes it difficult for you to press buttons. And especially on the Switch, the buttons are incredibly small. Mm-hmm. So the way I saw it, I saw it as wow, this is a great feature for people who can't necessarily play Musou games in the regular way, but still want to enjoy it. For me it made a lot of sense. It just made a lot of sense that they could map all of the the movesets to one button and I didn't necessarily see it as, you know, for newcomers I just saw it as an accessibility option. Once again it's something that is optional. The game does not force this on any players or anything like that. So those people that are like, why are you doing this? Why why are you giving us an easy mode? It's an optional thing. This is something that you can turn off and you can decide to go for harder difficulties if you'd like to. There was one thing that you did mention that this game was designed for people that aren't necessarily Muso fans and I think for me where I'm going to sort of contradict that and I think a lot of people didn't necessarily notice this but for me it felt as though it was a breath of fresh air as a Muso game right I've been playing Muso games for the past I don't know since Muso games existed I was like three years old when i played dynasty warriors 2 or dynasty warriors 2 if you live in america and i've been playing them since so at least throughout my whole life i've been playing musou games two or three decades of musou (laughs) For me, it's been very interesting to play this game because I will say, yeah, there is a lot of mechanics that do feel a little bit dumbed down, but it's very nostalgic. It's very reminiscent. I have no nostalgia for Token Rambu. I have no exposure to Token Rambu, but playing it made me feel as though I was playing Dynasty Warriors 2 or Dynasty Warriors 4. You know, those older Musou games that had very primitive leveling up systems, primitive like equipment and things like that. But it brought it back to basics because I felt over the years, Muso has just become too complex for its own detriment, right? Right. It's, it's a very simple game in terms of mechanics. But then when you go into menus and you need to equip this and, and you know, doing certain builds and stuff like that, it gets incredibly complex for new fans and things like that. So when I saw this, I was like, wow, this is like playing old school Dynasty Warriors, right? Especially where you had smaller maps. That was something that a lot of people complained about. But smaller maps means more focused battling, more focused, you know, fighting, which, you know, you kind of need to keep yourself engaged. Because I I felt as though Dynasty Warriors 8 you've mentioned you've played that in the past I think Dynasty Warriors 8 had one of the biggest map sizes and that can be incredibly intimidating I had an issue with that game although I did love it I had an issue with that where most of the battle you were on your horse this game doesn't have any sort of horses or anything like that it's primarily just the token danshi your main characters that you are going to be playing as they move quite quickly and especially in a small map it does make a difference and like i said it was just such a breath of fresh air there were just features in the game that reminded me of previous games the leveling up system reminded me a lot of dynasty warriors 4 the fact that you had an auto lock-on system which is something that we've never seen before in any musou game it's it's a very small feature but when you go back and you play previous musou games or even if you go back to playing Muso Orochi Three or Warriors Orochi Three, a game that I think a lot of musou fans would consider one of the best out there, that game—I think that game was only like 2014. That game didn't have auto lock-on. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: Are you referring to the you know you lock on the boss? Yes. Didn't Hyrule Age of Calamity have those feature?
0: You might be right.
1: Age of Calamity has that because I did play. It- a chunk of it and you know I even raged quit because it has gotten difficult in the later chapters but I I believe they do have that option in Mm. Age of Calamity
0: I'm mistaken on that point so uh, (laughs) my apologies for people that are taking notes about what I'm saying and getting ready to sort of cancel me based over that but in general mainline titles don't necessarily have those features I find as though Koei sort of likes to experiment with other people's IPs (laughs) <laughs> and give them the best game that they can give and then when it comes to the main titles it's like yeah this is what you're getting get used to it you know right. so the fact that this game had that for me was very refreshing I was very excited for it and it was such a small feature but to see that I was like wow that was a, that's amazing and the fact that they brought in like these sort of attacks—what's uh, the word? Like when you have the two Token danshi fighting together. He and said, then you had, "Attacks." I think that's the name. Look, I—I'll be real with you guys. I'm not really the most up to date with all the terms. Just for some context, clo. I'm the type of person that will refer to certain game mechanics as their original names from like 30 years ago. So <laughs> I do kind of get a bit confused on that. So that move was you know, something that we've seen in previous games with Musou Orochi and I know it as Musou Rage. Mm-hmm. That That's a feature that we've seen in Dynasty Warriors 5, you know, so it's it feels like an amalgamation of all of the great parts of Musou games and all of the sort of quality of life things that we don't necessarily know or appreciate. And they've just brought it into this game with with what well, I say new characters, but with characters that a lot of Musou fans would not be aware of or know about. And to be honest with you, there are characters that I think over time that I feel like I'm gonna love. I've only done like a first playthrough, but I had to do it quite quickly because of the review and things like that. But I feel like this is a type of game that I would constantly go back and play just to know the characters more, to level them up completely, to actually immerse myself in this universe. Because even the story is incredibly interesting.
1: Especially if you are a history buff, you would probably really like this game. Even if you're not into just say McKay, or if you're not into the Token Rambo franchise, but if you just like, you know, Japanese history or Japanese his- historical fiction, it's something that you can, you know, consider picking up. I would always say that to anyone who's trying to ask me about the game, you know, would I like it? But for someone who's never played a Musu game, who's not really interested in Token Rambo franchise, but I am kind of a history buff myself. Would I like this game? I would definitely say, yeah, yeah, you probably will be-. The whole Token Ranbu Warriors, they mentioned specifically the Sengoku era. So we don't get to see the Shinsengumi, which I was kind of like bitter of because I do love some Sin- the Shinsengumi swords in the original Token Ranbu franchise, but they made it clear or the devs kind of like... I think they mentioned that as well in their video or their presentation video that they sort of just limit the character to only the Sengoku. A period. So for audiences who love the Sengoku period, if they love, you know, the, the Gumi Masamune, Nobunaga, and all that, all the characters in the Sengoku period, they would probably love this game
0: I think that's a very interesting choice from Koei mainly because a lot of their games focus around the Sengoku era Mm -hmm. uh, with Sengoku Musou which is Samurai Warriors especially considering that last year they released Samurai Warriors 5 which is sort of this sort of retelling of Samurai Warriors focusing on uh, Oda Nobunaga and Mitsuhide Mm -hmm. Akechi and uh, for me it kind of feels like Koei did that on purpose not just because of constraints or anything but just because it would have related because even when I saw it I didn't even know like I saw, oh, Sengoku era, that's interesting. I didn't think it would go into that much depth because I saw characters like Kanbe or Kanbei, or sorry, Koroda and Hideyoshi Toyotomi. Yes, their character designs are different, but they're very reminiscent of their personalities in Samurai Warriors. And I was like, oh, okay, mm, that's interesting, Koi. I didn't think you'd do that. But I think the reason why they did that is to sort of make it more comfortable for the occasional Musou player that would buy this game regardless. Because there is a lot of people that will just buy Musou games just for the hell of it right so that being said we're actually going to go on a little bit of an ad break it's going to be like five minutes long but we're going to return and we're going to talk about some of the fan reactions to this game as well so we'll see you on the other side Right before we get into the ads, I want to remind you guys that we do have a Patreon page where you can support us directly for only £5 a month. It means that you don't need to listen to ads like this, as amazing as they are. It's a no-brainer. You get early access to our show as well as ad-free content for all of the podcasts that we do. Or if you decided, well, I might go for a one time donation, you could do so on our coffee page. That's coffee.com ficom forward slash get a podcast. That's ko-fi.com forward slash get podcast. Our Patreon is patreon.com forward slash get a podcast. Also, consider subscribing to the podcast on whichever platform you're listening to, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, even on YouTube subscribing is free. It also means that you keep up to date with the content that we do post for all of our podcasts. If you do leave a like on YouTube, or if you give us a five star rating on the podcast platforms, it really does help us get up in the rankings. It really does help us get more sponsorships. It helps us out a lot you don't know how much that actually helps us so consider leaving us a positive review telling us all your thoughts as well and stuff that we can improve on really does help me out a lot as well gives me a motivation so subscribe consider leaving a five-star review or a comment if you're on youtube and enjoy the ad break and the rest of this episode have you ever thought hey I'm really into Japanese snacks and Japanese otaku goods. Well, you know what? Get yourself over to Sugoi Mart by Japan Crate. Sugoi Mart, we love them. We love Japan Crate, by the way. We've spoken about Japan Crate on the podcast before, but you know what? We've leveled up our partnership with them and our sponsorship to a Sugoi Mart one, because I wanted you guys to experience a lot more of what Japan Crate has to offer through Sugoi Mart. It's not always about snacks, guys. You can buy a lot of Japanese goods directly from Sugoi Mart, and it's fantastic service there, I will say this. You got your lucky bags. If you're really into anime, you could get Sugoi Mart lucky bags for over $100 value for only 40 pounds, right? 40 pounds, incredibly cheap. So you're getting $100 worth of stuff for 50 bucks. That's including snacks and other goods. If you decide to go for the Lucky Bags, and to be honest with you, those Lucky Bags, you can check them out on our page because Sugoi Mart moving forward, we're going to be showcasing the Sugoi Mart products on their site. And we're going to be showing you guys really cool, weird and wonderful stuff from Japan. We're going to be curating stuff directly there. If you like it, buy it. And if you know what, use our link, getalifepodcast.com forward slash Sugoi. That's getalifepodcast.com forward slash S-U-G-O-I will take you to our Sugoi Mart page and you can use our code G-A-L-P that's G-A-L-P for 15% off your order. That's insane guys, 15% off. We all know that collectibles and things from Japan can be very expensive. So 15% off, that's pretty decent. They've got some really lovely stuff on their site. Uh, Stuff from Spy Family, they've got a lot of Sanrio stuff as well. A lot of anime things, a lot of Genshin stuff, if you're really into Genshin, they got it. As well as some brands from Japan, snacks from Japan as well. They've got a lot of One Piece stuff, if you're into One Piece, they've got stuff from Muji, they've got stuff from Disneyland, they've got stuff from Universal Studios Japan, in addition to Starbucks and Studio Ghibli. Stuff that you really can't find anywhere else. I'll be honest with you. So once again, check out Sugoi Mart. It supports the show when you do. We love them. They love us. And I'm pretty sure you'll love them too. So that's getalifepodcast.com forward slash Sugoi. Use the code GALP for 15% off. Anyway, back onto the episode. Okay, we're back with Chloe. Clo, how was that break for you? Was it good? <laughs>
1: I didn't know if we were actually going on a break or not. It was good, I was able to drink some water.
0: nice just for some context guys the ad break is like what five seconds for us it's not even five minutes so hopefully you guys enjoyed those ads and if you didn't enjoy those ads well join our Patreon it's only five pounds a month (laughs) I know that was a little bit of shameless self-advertising but we're going to get back into Token Rambu Musso, aka Token Rambu Warriors Chloe I don't know if you've seen the fan reactions obviously I haven't seen many I've seen a few on Twitter but my community is slightly different to the community that you've built so what is the general concern census from fans of this type of game.
1: Right, so I didn't know what other reactions there is other than in the Jose Moke as well as Otome reactions. That's the only reaction that I'm actually seeing mm-hmm. in my little gaming space but technically talking different reactions from different target audience right? So just from the Otome fan base or from the Jose Moke fan base, it's actually pretty positive just from what I'm seeing. First of all, the characters are really, really, really beautiful which is of like a big plus for us because you know we play games we want to gawk on the beautiful men so that's actually a a huge points for the game for actually adapting how they actually looked like in their original uh, characters and their original 2d designs especially for token ronbu fans they were really excited or we were really excited with the game itself when you know seeing the characters just moving because you know when we were playing the mobile game it was just just like you know, visual novel type. You just get a sprite and then you get a dialogue box, and then the characters are just talking to you and you know, telling you like, okay, yeah, we're gonna sortie. But this time they're actually moving, they're actually doing all these cinematics, the beautiful sprites, the beautiful characters doing all you know, all kinds of the background. Anything that would actually let us see, you know, our lovely characters, our lovely, beautiful swordmen, anything that would actually let us see uh the token run characters you know come to life moving anything that would have us see them move is actually you know a breath of fresh air for for us um token Ranbu fans as well as you know otomi game and joseumoke fans
0: there's this feature in the game i don't know if you necessarily realized it or not but there's like destructible clothing did anyone mention that
1: <laughs> yes uh, actually and i wanted to bring up in the original game we also have that so oh, there's okay. there's this hisetsu attack or in the original game, we call it Shinken Hitsetsu. So whenever they go on sortie and they get hurt or, you know, they're fighting really, really uh, stronger opponents. And whenever they get hurt and then their uh, HP bar is on, like, maybe... This is like a random kind of occurrence in the game, too. It's, it's not always happening. But in random instances, when they when they get hit in the game with by stronger opponents, if there's, like, only half left of their HP bars, their clothes... Kind of like just comes off, so you get a different sprite of the character with, you know, with their clothes torn off. So that is actually happening in the original game. And I think it's great that the Token Rambo Warriors is reminiscent to that fact. You know, they're kind of like bringing up fan service as well because, you know, I would be mad if they have like Hisetsu effect in Token Rambo Warriors without the Token Danchi, you know, stripping their clothes or yeah. having them disheveled and whatnot.
0: <laughs> See, I didn't know that that was something that was in the original game. I just thought, wow, Koei. They're, they're bringing home the boys. I was just like really excited for that because we've seen it in a lot of other Japanese games and in fact, other muso esque games. If we're talking about a game like Senran Kagura, which is a game with uh, Shinobi, like uh, female ninjas and stuff when they get damaged, you know, we see that level of fan service there. Of course, Koei didn't bring it to that level. Bear in mind, that is like a, I think an age 16 plus in the UK. Oh, okay. Uh, and this game is like what, rated 12? It's teen rated, I think, in America, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, it's uh, rated teen. Yeah, so I don't think that they were going to go all out for that, but, you know, maybe in the future.
1: I just like that there is even a slow motion when, you know, when they get damaged and they're like, oh... Mm -hmm. (laughs)
0: I mean, they could go super all out if they wanted to. I mean, they're just playing it safe. I understand why they have. It's also interesting that you mentioned that there is that level of attention to detail that Koei has brought in with this game, especially looking at the original. There was one thing that we mentioned over the Twitter DMs in which there is a um, particular thing when leveling up, like the materials that you use to level up. And I thought this was interesting. I didn't know that this was something that was in the original game. There, because obviously the token Danshi are like personifications of weaponry, right? So when I saw that the leveling up materials were actual instruments that are used to maintain swords, mm-hmm. I smiled a little bit because it's not something as Muso fans that we would actually take into consideration. I only knew about it because, fun fact guys, when I can't sleep, I'll watch NHK documentaries about like Japanese cultural things like how to make bamboo baskets or like how to take care of swords and things like that and they're all in Japanese and I can't understand a word they're saying, but they have like these little, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like a little stick with like a cotton ball on the top and they use it to smack the, the sword or something. I don't know what it's used for, but I saw that in the game and I was like, oh, that's interesting. There is these small level of detail that you don't necessarily will pick up on. And I think that's I think that's really there for the token Rambu fans, right? Cause they're the ones that are gonna notice it. I only noticed it because of me being weird, right? So.
1: <laughs> if you're very much attentive to those small details then yeah, you're gonna notice that like, oh, okay, that's a nice mm. Easter egg. But in the original game, to forge a sword you actually there's uh four items that you kind of just need to forge all the swords um that you wanted which is one is uh, charcoal coolant steel and whetstone so that's just on the that's just on the original game so you need to constantly mine those items in order for Mm. you to forge some sword
0: going back to the fan reactions and things like that because the people that i've spoken to I've sort of seen the game in a very different light, right? There are those people out there, like I mentioned, the Muso Meatheads, that aren't necessarily fans of Token Rambu, and they can be incredibly homophobic at times, and, and so we're going to ignore them because we don't need to give them any sort of clout or any sort of praise or anything like that. So we're going to ignore them, but I've spoken to a lot of people in the, the KT family, the Kobe Tecmo community there, and a lot of them are very excited for, not necessarily for this game, But for what this game brings to the table what this game offers right um i don't know if you know this but there is quite a lot of tk family members or kt family members the koei tecmo community that are members of the lgbtq community and so they were very happy when this game was released yay and i think that's very good because it's kind of feels as though it's a community that koei has not necessarily catered to in the past right Right. Especially the gay community. We don't really get to see as much fan service uh, directed towards, you know, male characters and things like that. And certain games that don't have same-sex marriage, etc. I'm talking about Dynasty Warriors, Nine Empires, and all of those sort of empires games. We don't really get to see that. And I think even when we do get to see gay relationships in Musou games and things like that, it's either done as a joke or it's done in a non-canon sense. So it's a side thing, or it's like, haha, this person is gay. Like, it's that kind of thing. It's not, it's not respectful. It's, and I think that's like the extent that we've got in the past, right? And that's unfortunate. Speaking to a lot of people in the community, they're happy, they feel as though Koei has at least started to make amends and started to move forward, mm-hmm. you know, with these things. And I think that's a very good thing. But at the same time, they wanna see what else they can bring to the table, you know? Mm-hmm. Are we gonna see more representation in games, are we going to see and not just representation in terms of that community, but because Ruby Party is a development studio that is predominantly women, are we going to see more games from Ruby Party, you know, that have that sort of mantra that have that sort of passion for making games, you know, because even when you look at Ruby Party as a developer, I don't know if you know this, but the reason it's called Ruby Party is because well, Rubies are the queen of all gems, right? So it's about celebrating women in games, and we don't really get to see that. I mean, yes, we're starting to see it a lot more now. There's a lot of even podcasts. I'm going to give this a shout out to another podcast. It's a gaming podcast. Oh, that's okay. run by women and they have guests that are women game developers or women in the industry, like press people. Things like that. It's called She Plays Games. I want to give a shout out to them. They follow us. So thank you for following us. I'm actually really honored. It's an award winning podcast celebrating marginalized genders in video games. So big shout out to them. And like I said, it's for me when Koei brings out more Ruby Party titles, it actually goes to show that they want to support the industry in that way. You know, they want to diversify the industry because even if you look at the games industry in Japan, it's predominantly men focus and Japanese society is very patriarchal in that sense anyway. At times it can be quite toxic. So the fact that Ruby Party exists is a good thing, but allow it to thrive, Koei. Because they're not going to exist if they're not going to make money. Exactly. You've got to bring their games over. I know that there was one thing, and this leads me onto the tweets. There's one thing that I saw on Twitter, and this is actually what led me to ask you to come on to this episode, <laughs> is that there was a tweet from Koei America that I can't remember the exact tweet, so I'm going to paraphrase But it was basically, if you want Ruby Party titles, you got to buy this game. That's pretty much what it came down to. And then I think there was another tweet that just mentioned, hey, at the end of the day, we're a business. We look at sales figures and, and this and that. But that sort of sparked a little bit of a controversy. And I wanted to know your thoughts on that. Do you think that is a fair statement?
1: Definitely not a fair statement. Like, it was big on the Atome as well as the Jose Mokei, most especially the Atome community. It was unfair to say that, you know, to gauge interest in Atome games basing on... like a musu game like what Mm -hmm. yeah the characters are beautiful but it's not necessarily Atomi games and not all atomic gamers play musu games or you know play token Ranbu so that Mm -hmm. was kind of like very unfair to you know to say that
0: there was something that I found very interesting and I think it's it comes off a little bit tone-deaf because at the end of the day an otome game is effectively if I'm not mistaken it's a dating simulator where your protagonist is female and they're obviously dating a beautiful man, right?
1: Right. The thing with Otome Game is that you have to have a female character or a female Mm -hmm. protagonist romancing a a male love interest. Now, there are some certain uh, controversies or maybe just some controversial talks that it doesn't necessarily have to have that. But technically, the word Otome or Otome Games is female characters or female protagonists romancing male love interests. So that's always mm-hmm. been the the definition or if we're just looking at, you know, the original definition of what Otome is. It's not necessarily a Otome game. If it's just, you know, if there's just romance in, in the visual novel, if there's just, you know, a female and a male character, you know, falling in love, it has to be a protagonist ending up with a male love interest. That's usually what people look for when it comes to, you know, Otome games. There has to be like a happy ending for both the male and the female character or the female mm-hmm. protagonist with, you know, their designated love interest, male love interest.
0: And just for some clarification, if the if the protagonist was male and the love interests were also male, that would be known as boys love, right? Or BL. Correct. Okay. This is the thing. It kind of came off as a little bit tone deaf because it's like you're assuming that this game is an Otome game, which it isn't. So I just want to put that out there because I've seen some reviews. I'm not going to name Names, but I've seen some reviews refer to this as a musou otome game, which it's not. It's not, um, yeah, Definitely not. Yeah, I just, just want to put that out there. It is not an otome game. I, I think that's pretty weird in that sense that they refer to it like that. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that they basically went out there and said, hey this game is um if you want more ruby party titles this is the game you gotta buy yeah. and a lot of the consensus that i've seen looking at tweets and things like that and i'm gonna quote your tweet actually oddly enough because you mentioned that basing demand for otome games through the sales of hack and slash seems odd seems a bit weird there were some people that responded to you i don't know if i can mention their names i'm not going to i'm gonna paraphrase what they said one person said i feel like i have to get the game now otherwise i'm not supporting
1: right and it, that upsets me. It's pressure the community to like buy the games that they're not even
0: interested
1: or they're not even interested in the first place you know what i'm
0: saying exactly and i don't want to say this but i'm going to it feels as though you're putting another game at hostage and buying token Rambu is the ransom, right? Yeah. I I know that's a pretty dramatic way of saying it, but it feels like that because you're gonna get those Otome fans, people that do want to play games like uh, Angelique and things like that, and basically saying to them, hey, uh you gotta pay what sixty dollars for? Well, I don't know how much this game is in the US, but you have to pay full. Yeah, yeah, but it's still a lot of money, right? You still have to pay like fifty dollars for a game that is probably gonna go into sale in like three months. Let's be real, that's that's what happens with Muso games. You gotta pay at full price, other otherwise Koi's not going to get their money. Otherwise, they're not going to bring the games over. And that upsets me on, on another level because I know this isn't coming from, you know, the, the regional teams at Koei. And I don't know who it's coming from, right? It could be coming from the Japanese team. I don't know. But for me, this is not how Koei has operated in the past. People that are listening, I don't know if you know about this, but there's a game called uh, Musou Orochi 3 or Warriors Orochi 3. And this came around like 2012, 2014. It came on the xbox 360 and the playstation 3 the previous titles in that game so orochi 1 orochi 2 were like ps2 games so you really couldn't judge by sales figures whether or not to bring the third game over if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and you know twitter was just an emerging thing at the time and it was announced in japan and people were like oh when are we gonna get this game because back then Those Japanese titles really didn't have simultaneous (laughs) releases with Japan. It would take like a year and a half to get over here with all the translations and that kind of stuff. Uh, And especially because the previous games were duh, but people were asking, are we gonna get this game? And they were hassling Koei, are we gonna get this game? To the point where the community manager, he doesn't work there anymore, but I'll mention his name because he's a fucking legend. Chin tweeted on his personal account and he was like, guys, don't ask me about this game anymore. If you want this game to be released, spread the word. Tell me and I'm going to try my best. Guess what happened? We got the game. We got the game not based off sales figures. I do know that probably, yes, sales figures may have attributed to it, but it wasn't clear-cut and like, hey, this is sales figures. It was based off actual demand. The community actually went out there. They were hassling Koei politely. They were writing letters. They were posting on Facebook. They were retweeting on Twitter and they drove the demand for Warriors Orochi 3. And in my personal opinion, it's a game that Koei has been re-releasing how many times? And apparently there's another re-release for like PlayStation 5, which is really odd, but interesting because we wouldn't have gotten that game if the community didn't come together and the community didn't ask for it. But at the same time, we wouldn't have gotten it if Koei didn't allow the community to ask for it. You know what I mean?
1: Interesting that you mentioned that because Koei Tecmo did had an atomi game survey or like a Twitter survey back in 2020, I would say. that It was that time that they were asking or they were trying to gauge interest in like something along the lines that do you want? We're trying to gauge interest. Are you interested in playing Ruby Party Games, you know, is the West interested in playing ruby party otomi games and there was a survey and you know the survey was had like tons of responses you know from the otomi mm-hmm. community from the jose muke community and the obvious answer is yes yeah we w- we wanted ruby party games the you know the mother of otomi games we wanted their games to come to the west but nothing really surfaced after that so i don't know if they're still struggling they did mention uh koei tecmo did mention on you know the dms that the otomi community has gotten including me that they're trying to get that kind of reaction from you know that get that I don't know violent reaction from the community So that they can maybe prove to their higher ups or the the HQ, as they as they say, that there is actual demand, like big demand on the Otomi games um, in the West. So I don't know, but they already did that. They sort of gauge interest 2020 with that sort of survey. And we didn't really hear from them again. We only heard from them when (laughs) when they tweeted about, you know, Token Ranbu about, you know, having people buy this game so that we can have more Otomi games, uh, Ruby Party Otomi games to the West, which is kind of unfair because these two are totally different games. You know, no matter how much you look at it, they are two different games. There is no romance in Token Ranbu and let alone Token Ranbu Warriors, which is a hack and slash musu game.
0: I think it's very interesting as well because that survey in itself, it's quite poorly written, right? Because... (laughs) it's it's a survey that's asking you do you want to see ruby party titles come over to the west yep yes or no and i'm not gonna side with anyone but technically they did deliver this is a ruby party title right so i think they need to be clearer and say do you want otome games you know what i mean i think that would be a better way of gauging and in my honest opinion i've spoken to a lot of people including nook gaming at nookgaming.com they focus a lot on visual novels and things like that not so much otome games but they mention that a difficulty in bringing these games overseas is that there is a lot of overhead a lot of money to pay in terms of translations obviously not in terms of voice uh, but like even if they keep Japanese voices there's a lot of text to translate Mm -hmm. and they probably have to keep the games as English only or like even if they did bring them overseas which might be difficult for fans in Europe because I don't know if you're aware but a lot of Koei's games that are released in Europe get a French translation Spanish Italian sometimes and German. as well as English. It might be quite costly for them to just translate in all the languages and even by itself just to translate a very text heavy game in English. But for me, the way I think about it is that, well, they took a risk with Warriors Orochi 3, right? To bring that game overseas. They took a risk with, what was the game called? Monster Rancher or Monster Farm for bringing that game overseas, right? And they didn't base that off sales figures or anything like that. Like you gotta sort of spend money to make money. And I think that the Otome community, if you're nice to them, I know it's not like a mafia thing, but if you give them what they want, they will support.
1: I've also spoken with a couple of companies that kind of brings Atomi, Game, Atomi games in the West. And there is demand, you know, it's very unfair to say there's no demand. There has been demand for for years, especially when we transitioned from the Vita to the Nintendo switch, because before the reason why there's only a couple of Atomi games or, you know, just same okay games, or let's just focus on Atomi games that are being brought to the West. It's because, you know, the accessibility is not there. Everyone does not own a Vita, but right now, because of Ana, animal crossing all kinds of cool games on the switch the switch is pretty much the household you know console right now in i would say the world i, I, I don't know with the uk but it pretty much in the us it, the switch is like a console like a household console mm-hmm. So when the Otomi genre transitioned from the PS Vita to the Nintendo Switch, everyone has access to them. And, you know, more access, more more people are discovering the genre, and more people are demanding to have, you know, to get more localized Atomi games, you know, brought over to us. Now, that was mm-hmm. in 2020. I've spoken with a couple of companies that are, you know, the Otomi games are sort of maybe their bread and butter. And they were even shocked. They were like, wow, we actually had to order more copies because we, we didn't know that the pre-orders were, you know, before with the Vita, we can only provide this copy. And now with, you know, with the Switch, with the Nintendo Switch, with releasing game, Otomi Games and Nintendo Switch, there's like a lot of demands, you know, their sales are like incredible comparing to a few years ago when the community or when the genre is very niche. So yeah. I would say that there is demand rather. So it was unfair for Koei Tecmo to say that we need to prove that there's demand because there's has been demand since i would say 2020 that's when the Atomi genre actually had a huge impact or a huge huge uh, difference um, in the west because a lot of people are picking it up a lot of people are discovering it just because of you know the accessibility with it being um translated for the nintendo switch console and um, it's just that koei tecmo has never really brought games or brought otome games to us that we they can't really you know gauge that way because they didn't risk and bring otome games over to the west so yeah that's what i think at at
0: least one thing that i wanted to know like what is a possible solution what should they have done because you mentioned that nintendo switch is obviously a very prominent console and it's also something that is worth mentioning that the nintendo switch obviously the ds i think did have some otome titles and some galge as well and things like that but the ds was uh, region locked right i don't think the vita was but you did mention it wasn't really a, a house name brand right It wasn't really in everyone's houses and it wasn't as accessible. And it's interesting that you mentioned the Nintendo Switch because we saw even Token Rambo Warriors was announced at a Nintendo Direct came out of nowhere it's very clear that koei is interested in the switch but one thing that i wanted to see and i know koei listens to this podcast right so there is something that i did want to mention what is your thoughts on koei re-releasing titles because at the moment there's this thing if you have a nintendo switch online you have access to the NES titles and the snes titles and everything like that for free so it is good to mention that you know I would say Ruby Party's first title. I mean, <gasps> back then they weren't yeah, known as Ruby Party, yeah. but Angelique, if you brought that over, ported that. I mean, that would be a great way to gauge interest. If you ported over Angelique, it's basically, it's just emulation. Mm-hmm. They just take the ROM from the cartridge and then put it on the console, right? It's, it's basic emulation. It's not a game that's gonna be difficult to run on Switch. If you included that as part of the Nintendo Switch Online offering and worked with Nintendo, because if I'm not mistaken, Nintendo actually helped to translate a lot of the games that were originally Japan exclusive and bring them over, right? So if you worked with Nintendo, and I'm pretty sure Nintendo aren't gonna say no to that, you know, especially with how big Otome is in Japan, specifically, and also in the West. But if they collaborated with Nintendo and said, hey, let's bring this to Nintendo Switch Online. Yes, it's not necessarily going to make them money. I don't know how it works, right? I, I'm presuming Nintendo actually pays them to do it to sort of license their game for that service. So if they managed to do that, I think that would be a great way of, first of all, introducing newer fans, people who've never played Automa Games before to where it effectively all started from. But also at the same time, it's not as big of a risk. Right, as to bringing in uh, uh, an, a more modern Angelique title, I mean that's yeah. effectively what we want to get to. But I see it as a very, very interesting middle ground that Koei could potentially do. And you know, in in fact, like the fact that we've got like other old games that were remade, like Monster Rancher, right? The fact that Koei brought over Monster Rancher One and Two, which is effectively a, a PlayStation One game that was ported over to the Switch, it makes me feel as though they're gonna release a Monster Rancher Three. And they want to gauge interest. So if if Koei really wanted to gauge interest by the number of players, they could easily do it by giving us the older games right the games that wouldn't take as much effort to port over as opposed to what we kind of got here maybe the um, porting
1: is not uh, much of an effort but maybe the tr- the translating part is though but they can always just port it over in japan and you know th- the switch is not region region locked so those who actually knew japanese or understand a little bit of japanese can play the uh, the older Koitekmo ruby party titles
0: Yeah, that was one solution, to be honest with you. But we're going to go on a break again. And this time the break will be slightly longer, maybe a minute longer. And then we'll be back. I think we're going to end off the episode a bit, sort of wind down and talk about the things that we liked, but also get back to this conversation a little bit. So we'll see you on the other side. Right before we get into the ads, I want to remind you guys that we do have a Patreon page. Where you can support us directly for only five pounds a month. It means that you don't need to listen to ads like this, as amazing as they are. It's a no-brainer. You get early access to our show as well as ad-free content for all of the podcasts that we do. Or if you decided, well, I might go for a one-time donation, you could do so on our coffee page. That's coffee.com forward slash life podcast. That's ko-fi.com forward slash get life podcast. Our Patreon is patreon.com forward slash also consider subscribing to the podcast on whichever platform you're listening to whether that's itunes spotify stitcher apple podcasts amazon podcasts even on youtube Subscribing is free. It also means that you keep up to date with the content that we do post for all of our podcasts. If you do leave a like on YouTube, or if you give us a five star rating on the podcast platforms, it really does help us get up in the rankings. It really does help us get more sponsorships. It helps us out a lot. You don't know how much that actually helps us. So consider leaving us a positive review, telling us all your thoughts as well and stuff that we can improve on really does help me out a lot as well. Gives me a motivation. So subscribe, consider leaving a five star review or a comment if you're on YouTube and enjoy the ad break and the rest of this episode. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Crunchyroll. As you guys know, Crunchyroll has been sponsoring us for a while now and we love them and we know you guys love them too. So get your asses over to Crunchyroll where you can enjoy the world's largest anime collection for only £6.50 a month. That's cheaper than pretty much all of the other streaming services out there and you get quite a lot of anime, over 30,000 anime episodes and anime one hour after it airs in Japan. You can enjoy sub or dub in multiple languages from what I've seen on Crunchyroll. We use it personally on the podcast and I'll be honest with you, it's one of my favorite services to use for anime streaming, because of all of the options that you get. If you go for the mega fan option, you do get the ability for offline viewing. So if you're on the train or if you're going to a place where there is no internet, you can save for offline viewing and still enjoy your anime. Imagine if you're on a road trip, right? You're traveling across America or you're traveling across the UK and you want to watch anime. Your friend's driving and you're like, you know what? I want to watch some Spy Family or I want to watch some uh, Attack on Titan or some Dr. Stone. You could probably guess which anime I'm I'm watching currently. If you want to enjoy anything, you're spoilt for choice with Crunchyroll. Not only that, you've got ad-free anime and as a bonus, you get access to the Crunchyroll manga as well, which is actually really cool if you go for your fan or mega fan options there as well. I'd recommend actually purchasing the 12-month mega fan because you're saving 16% off and you don't need to worry about about it, right? Stream on four devices at the same time, which is actually fantastic, especially if you're, you're in a big family and everyone wants to watch different anime, you could do that with the mega fan option, as well as offline viewing. And you get a discount on the Crunchyroll store if you want to buy Nendroids or figurines or merchandise directly from Crunchyroll. Once again, you can watch anytime, anywhere, stream on your desktop, mobile, gaming consoles even, and other streaming devices that include iOS, Android, Apple TV, Xbox, Roku, PS4 slash the PS5. So it's a no-brainer, guys. If you love anime or even if you don't like anime and you want to know more about it, go to crunchyroll.com forward slash kunai or go to getalifepodcast.com forward slash crunchyroll it's the same link they work on the same way and sign yourself up for a 14 day free trial you can cancel any time but just make sure you guys sign up give it a try if you wanted to think oh what was this anime thing about give it a try crunchyroll.com forward slash kunai that's crunchyroll.com forward slash k u okay N-A- we're back um a- once again back have the episode Khlo. with us today chloe i was just wondering and i know this might be a bit of a weird question we had we had a discussion around this what are your thoughts around uh <laughs> oh my god
1: konosuke for me i don't care what you say after this but he is a very important character in token rainbow warriors and i think okay.
0: he's cute okay so <laughs> If you can give us a an overview on Konosuke, because many people might be wondering who the hell is Konosuke? What is his role in Token Rambu?
1: So in the original game, whenever you um, play as or take in as the role of the Saniwa, which isn't really uh, found in Token Rumble Warriors, but in the original game, you take in as the role of the Saniwa, which is in charge of the entire Honmaru or Citadel, where your goal is to basically forge swords and send, send them over. to sortie into you know missions that will kind of fight the HRA so Konosuke is the first character that you will see he will be um, explaining to you what you need to do how you need to you know forge the swords how you need to um, go over fixing the histories that the HRA has threatened and has changed so he's very essential or he's a very essential character of you know the token Ranbu IP well he is the token Ranbu mascot but in the story, he is sort of representing the government that's giving you orders on what you need to do as far as, you know, fixing the timelines and fixing the histories that the HRA has threatened. So yeah, he is a very important character.
0: <laughs> in terms of like Kunosuke as like a physical being, is he a fox? Is he a tanuki? Like, what is he? Like, that's what I want to know.
1: So he is a kudagitsun. He's a fox, basically. Mm-hmm. He's a type of kits kitsune kudagitsun who helps the um well his his uh his description in the game or the original game is he is a kudagitsun who helps the saniwa navigate the game or navigate the entire citadel okay. so yeah he is fox
0: uh, it's interesting because konosuke that we see in the game is very different to the konosuke that we see in the anime i don't know is is are there multiple konosukes there like... are
1: multiple konosukes yeah
0: okay okay that so that relieves a little bit of confusion because the one that we get in the game is the ugliest motherfucker that I've ever seen in my life. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say this, but it, he, he gave me fucking nightmares. How I, I'm dare sorry you. To swear. But it's true. Look, it's true. I will say this, because there's this game called Den, which is like a Monster Hunter style game made by Koei, and they had this two-tailed fox called Tenko. Originally, when I saw Konosuke, I was like, is this an original character? Did Koei just add this original <laughs> character to Token Rambu? Or was this something that was originally in Token Rambu and Koei just 3D modeled? And it's the latter. And when I saw it, I was like, this is a knockoff of Tenko. Tenko is far cuter. I mean, they're the same animal in essence, right? And they pretty much perform the same thing. The only difference is Tenko doesn't speak. But it's it's interesting because it's like, what the fuck? Like when I saw Konosuke, it's like his face. It's what's weird. It's just like his face is just odd. And he speaks so formally.
1: Yes, he, he does have a very flamboyant design, especially his face. I have to admit that. But he, he, he has grown on everyone.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. It's like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, it looks like, you know the Kitsune masks? Yeah. Um, that you'd find. It it looks like that. Like, it doesn't look like a real face for a fox. It, yes. it looks like it's been painted on, right? And that, that's what freaks me out. Because he's got the body of a fox, but his face looks like por. Like it doesn't look real, and I don't know if I look at it for too long, I kind of get like anxiety a little bit, and I don't know. There's something about, and the fact that he's got a big fucking head, like it's really odd. I
1: think it's the eyes too that makes him look a little bit creepy-ish.
0: Yeah, it's like fish eyes. Why does he have that?
1: I don't. I have no clue what's going on with the eyes, but. I got you. as you said, he looks like the, the, the Kitsune mask. so he has that little script, uh, you know, squiggly thing, red thing in his forehead and his eyebrows are like three apostrophes.
0: If he didn't speak, that would be fine. Or if he actually spoke in like a more... Silly. casual, t- Yeah, if he was silly or if he had like a casual way of speaking, I would find that's okay. But he speaks with no emotion. When I first encountered him in the game, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And why is he telling me what to do? But at the same time, I'm going to listen to him because I'm scared shitless, right? Like I was speaking to certain friends about Konosuke and... I mentioned I said Konosuke is basically the Aldi version of Tenko. I don't know if you I don't know if you know Aldi, right? Aldi is like a German discount supermarket. Oh, it's
1: kind of like great value out here.
0: Yeah, so yeah, the Walmart the Walmart great value. I, I think they own Trader Joe's, if that might be something that you know, I don't know. Aldi is well known for, if you buy like a bottle of ketchup from Heinz or whatever, they will redo the packaging. Put the, like They would make sure the packaging is pretty much indistinguishable and that it's basically the exact same, but then you know there's something off with it. Right. Like, <laughs> because it's like half the price and you're like, why? what is what is the difference here? right is, I, I don't think it's down suspicious
1: to yeah it's like
0: off-brand <laughs> off-brand goods and that's what it is like i don't know konosuke is like buying dolce and gabbana something right sunglasses and then you look at the side and instead of dolce and gabbana it says something different you know what i mean or like bng or something like that yeah some something dodgy <laughs> like that or you it's go a knockoff yeah like you go and buy a Michael Kors handbag, and it says Michael Horse. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's that's Konosuke. And the fact that he's super formal, I understand he's formal because of, as you mentioned, he's basically representing the government. He's a he's a government worker right he i don't know he's like he works for the irs like that's that's <laughs> his job right so
1: well in the anime I... though there there's different Konoske's. but in the anime um he's actually very eccentric there's a different eccentric konosuke who only you know in the anime i think in in hanamaru anime token ranbu there was a there's a konosuke who is just ecstatic about fried tofu like he's always going to rave about fried tofu he's always going to ask you the Saniwa to like you know make some fried tofu and whatnot so they made, made him silly in, in the anime but in the game in Token Rumble Warriors they, he's just like you know the formal Konosuke that you see in even the ori- in the original game you also have the formal Konosuke he doesn't really say anything silly or whatnot he just remain as his <laughs> formal self because yeah so he's connected to government
0: my question is which Konosuke do you prefer Do you prefer that more silly konoske, or do you prefer government worker konoske?
1: i like all of the konosuke so i don't have any bias on whatever konoske. i like all of them i like the silly one because i i want to feed him the the fried tofu that he wants but i also like the formal one
0: <laughs> you know what the, you know what you might actually relate to this a little bit more but formal konoske is i don't know he's like the personification of the dmv Yes. So that that kinda. that's kind of the vibes <laughs> that I got. You know, you don't want to be there. You don't want to interact with anyone there. You just want to get your license and get the fuck out yeah, of it. Yeah, That's what I feel with Konosuke. He's very like poker face. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. He doesn't show emotions. That's what makes him creepy. It's like having like a ceramic doll in your room. Like, you know what I mean? Right? Like, this right. Is, I don't know. Guys, if you're listening, please tell me on Twitter. I'm When this episode goes out, I'm going to make a poll whether or not people prefer Tenko or people prefer Konosuke and a second poll of whether or not Konosuke is cute because genuinely I'm on the camp that... Konosuke is the scariest thing I've seen in my life. And no. He's given me nightmares. Like, he's <laughs> in my dreams. I can't be dealing with that. I will need okay? to
1: send you my Konosuke plush, like, I mean, every day.
0: Don't. <laughs> Don't. I will unfollow you. I will block you on Twitter. I'll report you. I- I'll go... To the court, you know, I'll take it to like the <laughs> high court, just to make sure you don't do that, because that's <laughs> harassment, and I don't appreciate that. no oh but, my God. But I don't know where to kind of go on from there, but but Konoske
1: aside, okay.
0: Konoske aside, we kind of reserve the final segment of the show um, as like your your coi wish list, right? If there was a, a shooting star right now and you had to make a wish, what games would you ask for from? koei uh, especially the Otome games or the ruby party titles what would you like to see from koei
1: realistically speaking i would want the new angelique luminarized um, localized in the west that was their recent game from ruby party and i'm not i don't really have any musu <laughs> wish list because oh, yeah, as you can see it doesn't need to be Musu. okay yeah be... So definitely Angelique Luminarize. That's their recent game that came out uh, from Ruby Party. But I also wanted to see their older titles like the Kineiro no Corda mm-hmm. and of course the um, the Angelique games. So if they can s- sort of have those older games such as their Angelique games, La Corda de Oro or Kineiro no Corda. And oh, I actually have their um, Haruka Naru games, Haruka 7. I'm actually playing it in Japanese. Struggling because I'm not really very fluent, but I also have that game, and I think that is a very really good title that they can actually bring to the West. I believe that it's it's going to sell out if they ever decide to localize it. It's the Harukanaru Seven series, mm-hmm. the seventh Harukanaru game, because it it also deals with a lot of sengoku um, characters you have yukimura sanada he's one of the love interests there and it's it's sort of like an isekai sort of theme so the protagonist the female protagonist goes into gets isekai'd in the past that's normally the haruka haruka naru anime or the the storyline ghost. but this time on that game she brings the the love interest you know sanada yukimura in the present which is kind of nice it's it's a very common you know theme in isekai animes but i think that would really sell well especially in the Atomic community because we are just a sucker for those kind of themes but yeah that's my wish list definitely haruka Naru 7 angelique luminarize and their older titles like la corda and the angelique series yep that's my wish list for ruby party
0: Autome games but also more games from Ruby Party in general Mm -hmm. and I think the reason is I've never played many before Mm -hmm. and I really want to get into it you know and I think people tend to forget this but this is Koei's heritage exactly Autome titles are part of Koei's heritage yes a lot of people know Koei for Dynasty Warriors but before Dynasty Warriors we had games like um, Romance of Three Kingdoms which is you know tactical RPGs and that kind of stuff but People tend to forget that Koei's first game was a simulation game. Yes, I will say this. One of Koei's first games was an Eroge, which this yes. isn't. We're not, we're not going to mention much about Eroge. <laughs> from the success of games like Romance of the Three Kingdoms, Angelique was effectively a title from what I heard. right, It was a title that was devised to be an equivalent for a female audience right for Romance of Three Kingdoms, set in like the sort of I don't know how to explain it but like this western fantasy style if that makes sense like a medieval style or you know you know what I mean so the fact that this was one of Kobe's earlier games right on the Super Nintendo and it's been a series that has been going on longer than Dynasty Warriors it's been going on longer than Samurai Warriors even Dead or Alive or maybe not as long as Ninja Gaiden but it's been a series that's been going on for such a long time and it's a series that we've never got to experience at least officially so that's all i want from koei i want them to take the time and either port the games over into english or and this is something that i've noticed koei done in the past provide patches yes and i think that's the easiest thing even if you're not going to i understand that koei might be like well to, to produce physical copies on switch first of all i don't think the autonomy community will be angry if you decided Let's make this digital only to save costs. I think that's a very fair compromise. But also at the same time, I've bought Japanese games from Koei, like Japanese imports, that as soon as I put it into my British Nintendo Switch, it will download an English version. Bear in mind, yes, there is already an English uh, subtitles and stuff for that game. It was just a nice thing that I've imported a game from Japan. I put it in my Switch and it downloaded the English version even before the English version was officially released. And I think that's because Koe does a lot of English for the asian market like indonesia philippines um say so they already in included
1: included the english subtitles in the japanese version before they even yeah. released it in the west
0: it, exactly and that happens quite a lot i mean even with um dead or alive extreme 3 the, the, that the game that never got released in the west it does have an official english subtitling so you know it can be done yeah i think we, that's a really
1: know. good compromise too there are uh, actually games or visual novels that does that say if, um I, most of the time, I also buy um, imported uh, Japan visual novels or Japanese visual novels. And then when I, you know, plug them on my Switch, it's going to prompt me. Sometimes they're not, like, free download. It's going to prompt me, do you want to download the English version or the English version subtitle? And you can buy it for, like, just a dollar mm-hmm. in the in the eShop. So, you know, that, that would be a great compromise. A really good one, too, because, you know, we are... The Otome community is very hungry for... <laughs> (laughs) ruby party games as we have been since that survey 2019 so yeah
0: finally i want to thank koei for obviously giving i presume koei gave you guys a code as well right yes okay so i'm gonna thank koei on on our behalf thank you koei for providing codes Um, i believe one of the members of the team jacob he asked me should i get this game and that was something that i just told him i said he wanted to drop like mega money on uh On the you know digital deluxe edition, I said, well, it's up to you. Like, if you're not, you know, I know he does play Otome games from time to time, but if he's never played Token rambu it doesn't make sense to purchase it only because, well, it's it's a new IP that you may not be aware of, and you know. But from what I would say as well, for people that actually want to play the game and maybe want to buy it, there is a free demo. So play the demo, uh, whether it's on PC or whether it's on Switch, play the demo and see what you think because at the end of the day we could talk for hours we could talk for days about why we love this game but if you play it for yourself you are the best judge right for that so yes
1: that's uh, also what i wanted to say with my readers with the otome community who's not really familiar with the token ronbo franchise or the token ronbo ip there is a demo in the eShop that you can actually you know see for yourself kind of test it out see how you feel about the game see how you feel about the hack and slash aspect of it if you're not familiar with the musu genre or if it's the first time picking up a musu game then you know it's the demo is for you to figure out if you know just to get a feel of it but yeah.
0: Uh, another thing that I will have to mention here, please be respectful of members in every community, of course, because at the end of the day, I do these episodes because I love Koei Tecmo and it doesn't matter, you know, whether it's a Muso game, whether it's an Otome game or a Token Rambu Warriors or, or whatever game that they decide to do. We produce these episodes because we love Koei and we want to see them thrive. And at the end of the day, if we're going to see arguments in Twitter or on YouTube or facebook or whatever that's not gonna be good for anyone right because at the end of the day they're gonna look at it and they'll be like well actually we're seeing a lot of negative reaction we might not bring this game overseas so please be very cordial on twitter if you want to see the game come overseas you need to go out there and i hate saying this but you guys need to go out there and tweet. Koei, be polite and be like, we want Automa games. We want Ruby Party titles. And I could say that for Ruby Party titles. I could say that for Team Ninja titles. I could say that for any titles and any game that Koei wants to make or any game you want Koei to make. Just tweet at them respectfully, exactly. That way they can compile all of those tweets. They can send it to the relevant people and then they can get the ball rolling. But if you don't ask, you don't get. So that's just, it's just simple as that. I know it sounds a little bit harsh, but... It is something I think we as a community, as we kind of need to sort of realize as a gaming Um, community
1: as a whole. Yeah. And I do agree that respect goes a long ways. I sort of work with I don't work for games, but uh, my real life job has, you know, some kind of aspect with that, too. And if I see like a customer kind of just like, you know, berating your product and whatnot, you you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, respect goes a long way.
0: That's a very eloquent way of saying it. I was going to say something completely really <laughs> different. Because you could also say you can catch more flies with honey than with shit. So, um, <laughs> but no, honestly, it is exactly what, what we're going to say. I think I think I already thanked you, but I'm going to thank you once more, Chloe. Uh, because obviously you, you gave us some great insight, not only on token Rambu. But also on the otome community and the genre of games. Anyway, so thank you very much for that and for coming on. So I really do appreciate it. Thanks so much for having um, me. It's
1: a very this is a very fun uh, podcast. It's my first time to be in a Musu podcast. So thank you so much. I, I I enjoyed myself.
0: Thank you. I I'm glad that you enjoyed yourself. And also I want to thank you guys for listening and thank you for the patrons on Patreon for donating that five pounds a month. You might be wondering, what do I do with that five pounds? That five pounds. Goes back into production, so we use it to to go to events, go to Comic Con. It also helps for us to actually go and travel to places. So if you want us to to go and actually go into offices again and bug koei in person, it, it costs us money to travel. So if you do support us on Patreon, it does cover our uh, costs and things like that as well. So thanks for that, and also thanks to our sponsors who keeps the lights on: Crunchyroll and Sugoi So. Yeah, I don't know how else to say this, but bye.
1: Bye.